Welcome again, everybody, to this week's episode, which is number nine of the podcast series, where we try and take a slightly deeper look at coaching and look to find ways that we can all do it better. As always, if you're listening to us today for the first time, this podcast is about two main things. Firstly, to try and provide coaches with some actionable information and thoughts that might help their own context of whatever sport or age group that they might be operating in, and also as a fundraiser for Temple Street Children's Hospital. Today's guest is a Kilkenny legend, uh, a Camogie star who have won 12 All-Ireland Intercounty titles as well as seven more as a club player, uh, before adding to that collection in 2016 as a manager of her own county. And Downey talks about her journey through, through sport and through camogie specifically from a player to a manager and coach, how her philosophies like honesty and happy person, happy player guided her coaching journey, and why girls need more role models, and her desire to see more former female players take up roles managing and coaching their own club and county teams. I hope wherever you're listening, whether you're out for a walk or driving in your car, that you enjoy the next 50 minutes or so. And if you do, be sure to share it around, leave a review and let me know what you think. You'll find a link to Temple Street uh, Fundraiser in the podcast description below or on my Twitter page at Mike Quirk. Hope you enjoy. Okay. Super. So, and yeah, thank, thanks a million for, for joining us. Uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, how are you managing through COVID? Everything, everything okay? Oh, sure. Working from home, I suppose, like most people and trying to get a bit of a walk in in the evening, but looking forward to the bright evenings coming on and maybe getting to travel to farther than the 5K, maybe go to a beach or something. But look, yeah. ha- happy to have a job and happy, you know, that we have all, all belong to me, have our health. And that's the yeah. main thing, isn't it? That's the main thing, yeah. And, mm, and, mm. and there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, and yeah, we never, we never thought that getting outside five k would be so important to us. I, I know, and even last year, at this time last year when we went down, I remember saying to, to Nigel, you know, that we'd probably be able to go back hurling in May, and little yeah. did we think a year mm. on, you know, it's it's crazy. Amazing. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. just about a year now, and it's yeah, it is. It's hard mm. to imagine. Mm. Kids, I, I, my kids just went back to school today again from whatever they were off, obviously since December, and it is amazing. It's it's yeah. just if anybody had told you this a year ago or two years ago, you you just wouldn't believe them, no, how, how our lives changed, yeah, you know. But, yeah, yeah. And maybe just for the people that that are not familiar with you, would you mind just giving us a brief run through your 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 playing days with with Kilkenny, and then on to how how that turned into coaching and, and managing. Yeah, I suppose we started, Angela and myself started playing first with St. Paul's. Um, we're from a little village uh, called Ballyragget in County Kilkenny. And um, there wasn't a Camogie club here, but there was inside in Kilkenny City. And that was really made up of of pe- our players from different villages, you know. So we joined the city team. And 74, 72 really was our first year that we would have been involved in with Kilkenny. Uh, I wasn't a sub I wasn't on the panel that year, but Angela did play against Cork in 72. And in 74, both of us were on the panel. It was the first year that Kilkenny won their first Camogie, senior Camogie All-Ireland. And I suppose from 74 to 94 was the last time that we won. And 99 was the last time that I played for Kilkenny. Right. So after the Camogie, I suppose, really, I just got involved in coaching, I suppose, more by accident and... That that's, there wasn't an awful lot of people putting their hand up in Kilkenny to take charge of teams and 
um, managers or that weren't paid or anything. So it was a matter of really just getting involved and trying to put something back into the game after all the great years that we had. And um, that's really how I got involved. I was involved with the, the junior team and the senior team in 2002. And we bowed out in the semi-final of the senior. And we won the junior All-Ireland that year, great All-Ireland against Cork in Croke Park. And I suppose that was the start of my involvement. I was involved for a few years, then I left and I came back in 2009. Um, we didn't have much success at senior level either, but we won the intermediate in 2011. Then I left again and came back in 2016 and we won the senior and we were beaten six in 17, 18 and 19. Mm-hmm. So after that, then that was 2019 was my last involvement with the seniors. Right. So that's so, really it in yeah, a nutshell. That's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite a nutshell. You, you left out about 12 All-Ireland titles there and about seven club All-Irelands <laughs> and stuff as a player. Yeah. But, so it's funny, you, you went from playing so into, into managing or, or, or coaching immediately at, at inter-county level, is that right? I probably was at home playing golf for a year, to be right. honest. I think right. I finished in, I'm useless with, with, uh, with dates, but I, yeah. um, Tipperary were after winning their first All-Ireland and I was on the panel that day at Camonis and Sub and that was my last involvement with the county and I played probably for a few years with Liz Downey after that but once I finished playing I probably did nothing for a year and missed the involvement and Kilkenny were looking for um, someone to get involved at the time hmm. and as I said not there wasn't that many people putting their hand up to, to give a hand at Camogie at the time you know so I got yeah. involved and um, brought a few people along with me, had a few contacts, and really, that's that's you know when I yeah. once I had someone that was going to give me a hand, I was happy to get involved. Yeah, 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 great. Mm. Uh, and and before we get into the coaching side of it, then very very quickly, which one which one get, did you get more out of coaching or playing? Oh, I I got more out of playing, to be quite honest, because yeah. when you're playing, at least you're able to do something about it. But when you're standing on yeah. the sideline looking in you're scratching your head and you're pulling your hair out and you say, for God's sake, can't you do this, that or the other? And there's nothing you can do about it. They cross the white line, they're on their own. And that, but certainly, you know, uh, when you were playing, if you missed the first ball, but you could do something about maybe winning the second ball, Mm. you know, so playing any day, you know, playing beats, beats, uh, beats coaching every day. Yeah. Yeah, it Mm. does. And and it's gas, isn't it? Like no matter, no matter how well a team is prepared or how much work you put into it, it's never, it's never the same buzz that you get from, from being a player and having that satisfaction of, of performing and winning as you do, even mm-hmm. if you're the manager or the coach or something. It's, yeah. it's, it's funny that way, yeah. Well, I suppose when you're the manager, it just comes back that, you know, that you're, you're, in, you're responsible for everyone, you know, mm. for the 15 that are on the team and the subs and all the rest. And if they don't perform the way that they can, you know, it's, it is a reflection. I always felt it was a reflection maybe on what, what we were after doing as a management team. But, but as I said, there's nothing you can do about it when, mm. they, you know, every team that I was ever involved with are always well prepared, but sure, you know, if they decide to throw the ball over the bar instead of sticking it in the back of the net yeah. at times where they could have, you know, yeah. there's not an awful lot you can do about it. Yeah. Um, but it brings different headaches, you know, as I said, on the playing pitch, you can hit someone maybe and take out your frustration, but <laughs> yeah. on the sideline, you can't. Yeah. No, no, yeah. you'd probably get in a yeah. bit more trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me just... To, to get start getting into that side of it so so obviously if you you, you were only f- recently finished as a player and then you started that whole coaching so that was obviously a big influence in terms of 
your own coaching, what you had done as a player, where where did the kind of where did your ideas or your philosophy for coaching come from? You know, from from the start. Well, you know, I suppose when you go back to when when we were playing, even the game has changed since not, from the last time that I we won an All Ireland say in ninety four to when I got involved back involved even in 2016. But we had won seven in a row with our coach, um, a man called Tom Ryan. And his philosophy at the time was win your own ball and keep your eye on the ball and, you know, be be powerful and be and be fit. And when I got involved, that's all I knew at the time, mm. to be quite honest. I just made sure that the team were fit and that they knew that if you haven't got the ball in your hands, you can't do anything. Mm. Um, and of course, then we had Kilkenny hurlers being so successful. And at the time, you were allowed to go into Nolan Park and have a look at what was happening, the drills and the training and all the rest. And I, needless to say, I went in and with my notebook and I would take down all the, the drills that Mick Dempsey and Martin Fogarty and um, Noel was doing with him when he was involved. And um, maybe going back to the to the the, the Camoga team and uh, implementing that drill that I was after seeing just to try mm. and freshen it up. Really, mm. that's that was my that was my uh, coaching, I suppose, or that's what I did when I went coaching. But as I said, I got I had people involved with me. You know, a guy called Frank Frank Burke was involved with me in two thousand and two. He was a Galway chap, and Tom Doheny, who was a big hurling man in Kilkenny. So I wasn't on my own, you know. Mm. And we worked as a team. If something wasn't working at training, we'd have a chat about it and we'd change it up. You know, yeah. but as I said, every time I went back, Camogie had moved on and things had evolved, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very interesting about, you know, going into Nolan Park and having a look at the sessions and, and taking stuff mm. like mm. every every coach or manager is a bit of a magpie and you're trying to pick, you know, little yeah. nuggets from from everywhere. But mm. and that's something now with a lot of a lot of intercounty teams have have their sessions behind closed doors, which denies an awful lot of you know club coaches as well as everybody mm. else the opportunity to go in and and maybe pick a few nuggets and learn from learn from yeah. people what they're doing yeah that's really it is you know frustrating and really disappointing that we can't do that regardless of even if it's a football team that you could go in and look at you know there's so mm. much to 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 learn from every team and it's it's a real disappointment that we can't do that and i know i can understand they want their own sessions and they're 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 putting stuff together but even if it was open from earlier on in the season you know until the championship or even to get into the league and just to be able to learn and to keep people interested and to pick up ideas because there's nothing as bad as having a stale session you know if you, you have to keep things nowadays you know we used to just go running and go playing that was it but everything has evolved and and just to try and keep in, uh, keeping the sessions fresh and to learn those new skills certainly I wouldn't have been able to move on if I hadn't been able to get into Nolan Park to be honest yeah yeah that's that's really interesting yeah and it was something I, I'm, I'm involved with with Leash at the moment and and, and it was mm. something that we were very anxious to do last year was um you know I know COVID kind of scuppered it but was just to really put that message out to the clubs that our sessions were wide open and people were more than welcome to come in and if they want to ask mm. a few questions after ask a few questions mm. because you know, ultimately, all you're trying to do is if they can learn something from what's going on there, that they can take it back to their club and you're, you're trying to raise the whole standard mm. of it. And that idea of closing the sessions for a couple of days, you know, the, the session may be, you know, coming up to a big game or whatever course, no problem there. But mm. for the generic stuff, sure, it's great for coaches to get in and have a look at it, you know. But yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a different a different mm. uh, a different world. But mm. in, term, in terms of the coaching, so on, just... 
now obviously and you're saying there was there was other people with you and all that but for for yourself your own idea on coaching what what do you when when i say coaching what is it that comes into your head what does that mean to you that that kind of term in terms of sports well i you know i suppose mike i was lucky to be involved with people that were able to play the game you know if i was to go back and coach uh an under 10 or an under 12 team, I probably would struggle. But like when a team came to me, they had most of the basics, mm. but it was to improve their skill. And I suppose maybe to get them to understand how important it was to be, keep your eye on the ball or to be first to the ball. And also, you know, to be aware of what is happening around you. Uh, you know, you were playing centre back, that that didn't mean that you zoned out with the ball, wasn't in your position. You. You, you know, you had to know how a, a player up the pitch was uh, was motoring, whether they were going good, whether they were struggling. Um, even the same from the goalkeeper out for her puck outs. You know, if they were, she was pucking out to someone that, um, you know, wasn't able to win her ball or was struggling on the day, make sure that you change it up. Um, and I suppose to be aware of the people that that were around you. That was the, the one thing I suppose with, with uh with Camogie, you know, they tend to just maybe hit the ball for the sake of hitting it, but we kind of put, try to push a structure on, on the play well and good if you weren't there to put it into someone's hand, put it into space. Um, and that was a big, I suppose, learning curve for for a lot of the teams that I got involved with because, I mean, when I was playing, it was only a matter of getting the ball out of your own area. I played mm. centre of the field and it was an awful lot of ground hurling. Mm. Um, but players don't want to play ground hurling now. They want mm. to be able to strike the ball out of their hand. But um, as it, as I said, as it evolved, of course, our way of playing changed as well. When we came back to, to 2016, Paddy Mullally was the coach at the time and we played with a sweeper. Um, that took a lot of coaching, you know, and just to, to have the half forwards working hard and coming back and uh, even from the centre of the field, you know, it took a lot of hard work and on the girls' ha uh, part and on our part to kind of get that message across. But I suppose the one thing about coaching is you have to have the skills. You can run for all for for the whole day, but if you're not able to strike, if you're not able to catch, um, if you haven't got the vision, maybe to put the ball into the right place at times, you know, you're 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 not on a winner. Yeah, yeah, and 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 like now, strength and conditioning and psychology and nutrition and all those things are are big growing areas of, of sports and yeah. Gaelic games yeah. and every sport. Yeah, yeah. But the the skills are still ultimately the things that are going to decide. Like your Dublin's and these, they're fantastic athletes, but they're still an incredibly skillful team and 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 mm. people that are able to do what mm. they want with the ball. Mm. You know. Well, a lot of the teams that. You know, every, when you have a team of 15, they're not all, all going to be as skillful as, you know, as the next. And you there are, you know, you will have to have a player that is physical and strong and they're able to do a job, whether it is just marking someone and stopping them hurling. You know, that's an important role as well. Uh, but as you said, it is basically being able to strike off right and off left throw the ball over the bar and I suppose again with Camogie and because we Camogie players haven't got the same power as the men they're probably not able to, to take a point from the centre of the field out of the 15 that you would have I'd say maybe if you had three or four that could throw the ball over mm -hmm. the bar um, and that was one thing that we worked on every time we went to training you know if we only did five or ten minutes one at one side they're at one side of the sideline, the others, but invariably by the time they have the five minutes over, they're nearly into the middle of the pitch at one another, you know, um, to get them 
that long distance strike and it was something that we worked a lot on um, because we had to um, but again it is all about skill it is all about being able to keep your eye on the ball and what first touch you know first touch again is so important and we would tell them get to a ball alley use the gable end of your wall even if it's only a tennis ball because you know if you're if you're trying to pick a ball three or four times sure it's giving the opposition a chance to get it up on top of you yeah. you know so yeah. skill first touch first to the ball yeah yeah those were really the principles and 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 to do that then look we, we've been talking with a lot of coaches in the last couple of weeks about we'll say the, the makeup of their session you know whether, whether they're doing a lot of drills or games or whatever it is um how how did you go about doing that i mean people say like there's a big move obviously towards this games-based approach and that people are are, are predominantly now trying to play a small side of games and do different things um but but in terms of incorporating the skill work then how would you have how would you have worked on that stuff was it a lot of drill stuff or, or, or would you have been doing a lot of games in the sessions well, the session would always last only about an hour and 20 minutes, and that would include their warm up and their cool down. Mm. And usually the session would start with um, really drills for their ball to hand or ball on the ground. Um, not every we wouldn't play a game every night, to be quite honest. We might play mini games, maybe five against five. Mm. Um, Maybe on the second night, we might have 15 against 15. But certainly when we were coming up to a big game, we probably would play the 15 against 15. But most of it, um, our sessions would have been with ball in hand. It wouldn't have mm. been running just for the sake of running. And uh, they were doing the running, but they didn't realize it because we had a, a skill um, built into, into, the, into the session. Um, and I suppose the game might only last for a quarter of an hour. We wouldn't always have you know, a training, especially when we were only starting off, we'd only have a game for a quarter of an hour, maybe. Mm. And we might have a game for two 20 minutes or before a big in semi-final or a final, you know, just yeah. a, a, again, so that the, the girls would know what we were asking for. We do an awful lot of work on our puck outs mm. uh, so that they know to be under a breaking ball and where they should be standing. And that, that can take time, especially mm. if a new manager comes in and he's trying to put his own stamp on it and, Certainly from, I suppose, 2017, 18 and 19, we worked an awful lot on, on our puck outs mm. uh, and breaking ball. You know, it's so important to be able to win your own puck out. And if you don't, that's for someone in for breaking ball and that they know, you know. So it was, again, moving away from what we did when we were tr right. playing ourselves. You know, you ran around the pitch and Tom would have you run into the centre of the field and back in. You could do maybe 10 of those and... Um, but most of it was hurling, to be quite mm. honest, when we were when we were. But uh, you have you just have to have the sessions, uh, I suppose, different every night because uh, you don't want them to get bored and you don't want them to be doing the same session every yeah. night. But uh, yeah. we all we mixed it up, you know. Um, and in last years, I suppose we had some of that would work, work with the forwards and uh, their movement and take the, the forwards on their own and maybe just getting someone to throw a ball into them and you know, be aware of where everyone else was going or where yeah. the ball should go. You know, mm. there's, there's a lot, it's so technical now. It's, you know, it's nearly, it's nearly gone mad. You know, yeah. at times you're, you're saying to yourself, well, look, are we trying to, are they robots? Or are we not, are we taking that instinct from them that, mm. you know, they know themselves what to do. You can, but some people do know, need coaching and yeah. some people don't. 
Yeah. And and I suppose the big thing now is is that the use of the games, you know, and and, and if you're talking about developing awareness or, or to know where each other are, or what they like to do, mm-hmm. you're not going to get that doing drills all it has to be games it has to be that you're you're exposing them to to those chances to make decisions and to do different Mm. things really isn't it yeah well you're caught i suppose between a rock and a hard place because if you're playing games every night when they get to a game then is the that bite gone from them do you know what i mean they're sick of that like we always found that you know when when they're busting for another five minutes uh give us five Mm. minutes we say no you know yeah, that you yeah. you hope that they're going hungry in for a, in for a game, and they know that they have the work done behind them, and uh, you know they're full of confidence in their own ability. Um, but certainly for the last few years, I have to say, unless we had a challenge game, which was again would only be at the start of the season, certainly coming up to a championship or two weeks before a championship, it would be all, you know, only fifteen minute games, but certainly uh, no more than that. Yeah, 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 uh, and just. Outside of the the ball stuff or the actual content of the sessions, what were some of the things uh, with coaching or managing that you found, um, you know, not challenging as such, but just what were the other aspects of coaching and managing away from actually designing sessions and running sessions that you found, you know, this is this is a little different here to being a player. Well, I suppose when I came back in sixteen, I had been with um, WIT. Um, in Washford uh, for 14 and 15, I think it was. When I came back to the setup in 16, it was completely different to when we were playing. And even when I had been there in 2002, because I suppose now we were talking about mental health and um, how players were coping outside um, their training sessions or outside uh, the panel, you know, that have mm. a big emphasis on getting their leave in certain, mm. I suppose. Again, and I hate reverting back to when we were playing, but, you know, you, you did your leave and certain that was it. You didn't mm. even wait to see how many points you got. You know, you had it done and all you wanted to do was play Camogie. But now yeah. there's such, it's so important for the girls to have their leave and cert and college and obviously relationships and all that. Mm. And suddenly you're just dealing with, you know, a different mindset altogether you know you can't just expect them to turn up to training and thinking that everything is happy with them and you have to yeah. be able to spot maybe if there's something wrong or if they're not in form and um to, to take them aside and have a little chat with them and i mean that never happened when we were playing right um and it didn't even happen i suppose in 2002 or 2011 when i was involved myself we just went to the training sessions and you turned up and you trained and you were mm. expected to train but Certainly by 2016, um, we were more aware of, you know, people's well-being, really. Mm. And again, going back to 2016, it was the first time that um, we had a doctor involved with us. Uh, I got Dr. Martin O'Brien involved and we had our uh, full-time physio, uh, which was um, Nicola Aylward. And then uh, Noreen Roach, who's involved with the Kenny Senior hurling team for the last few years. Noreen would give us a few pointers, came in and had a chat with the girls about their diet and how important it was and their sleep. All that mm. it had changed so much in mm. just in from 2011 to 2016, which was only the five years. Um, but I suppose that's the way the hurling teams were going as well. And the Camogie teams kind of expected it. 
as well, although you couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford it at the yeah. time. And the people that got involved were all, you know, there for the good of Camogie, to be honest. Mm. Um, they weren't getting paid in that. So it was totally professional set up then by the time we got to 2016. But again, going back to your question, I suppose, is just to be able to pinpoint if someone is coming to train and, and they're not themselves, mm. you know, if they're yeah. just off and that they may not want to talk to you but that there was someone there that they could talk to. And we got Dr. Uh, Fergus Heffernan involved with us, who is a psychologist here in Kilkenny, and he would speak to the girls. And even Nicola, you know, when they'd go into physio, they'd have a chat with Nicola. So yeah. all that helped. And yeah. it's all about really talking and trying to make them comfortable, you know, that yeah. it was a safe haven. If they needed to chat, we were there, whether it was, you know, X, Y, and Z that spoke to them. But that I found that... Um, it was really important for the girls and I suppose it helped the team as well and it helped the player more mm. so than anything else, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's definitely the biggest shift really, isn't it? You can have all your strength and conditioning and all the other stuff, the nutrition, mm -hmm. and, and but it's really that, you know, you, you, you call it mental health, but it, it's it's that not notion of, of valuing the, the, the person, you know, ahead of the mm. player and, and then obviously mm. the player is mm. very important mm. to, to us and the team. But about how how they are and the leaving, so yeah. that's that's interesting, you know. And uh, I I just find that's very that's really where sports coaching is going now. That that we're we're becoming far more aware of of the entire person as opposed to just the product on the field, really. Mm. Mm. Well, I suppose even in there, I mean, our philosophy was that if you have a happy person, you have a happy player. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, if a player is not happy, they're not going to perform for you. So it's up to you really just to help them. And you know, to try and get an enjoyment out of it. Uh, I know when you get to a big match and you can say to a player, you know, you know, try and enjoy it, you know, which for me was a whole load of, you know, what, you know, on the day you're so nervous that you're yeah. nearly only enjoying it when the when the final whistle is gone. But you try, certainly for the training, you try and bring a bit of crack into it. You know, it's mm. not where I would be, you know, expect a person to give a hundred percent, but I wasn't averse either to having a bit of crack at training and having a bit of crack with the girls and, um, you know, just making sure that they were comfortable in their surroundings and that they knew that they, we appreciated the effort that they were do, uh, given to Kilkenny Camogie in that. Um, but it was again, as I said, it was really all about talking, you know, mm -hmm. and, and having your little sessions, you know, I suppose what we did, in 2016, again, is we we had uh, two senior players and we had two junior players and we had them as reps. So they had their own little meeting. And if there was something that the panel weren't happy with, that they, the reps would come to us or come to Angela or Breda, who were giving me a hand at the time, and say, look, we we didn't enjoy that session or can we have food or can we do this? Or can, and we were listening to it, you know, and they were happy to do that. So it was being able to have a two-way conversation. Mm. and yeah. they felt that they could say what they liked or what they wanted to say and they they weren't going to be reprimanded for it and if we went back with an explanation why we weren't doing such a thing they were happy and so were we whether it was about playing or whether it was about the way we played or yeah. the style of play or where we were positioning a player you know once there was dialogue and there was an open conversation I think we were all happy and certainly the players were yeah and again that's another really powerful thing that the players feel that they have you know they have a bit of ownership over the whole mm. thing that it's not just mm. being dictated to by a manager or a coach or whatever yeah. 
that's interesting. Yeah. And 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 that you know you're talking about that like little leadership group there really or the two reps or, or as you mm. as you call them was that something that came later or or earlier when you were when you were managing? Well, only in 2016 right. again. Right. Certainly yeah. hadn't it uh, uh, earlier on in the years. And I suppose again, you know, if they're speaking about it, they're not going home bitching about it, and it's not mm. on their mind. You mm. know what I mean? Because yeah. I, after a, every game, we would sit down with them and we'd have a discussion. Look what went wrong or what did you think we did well or what do you think we could do better and and again invariably when the management team would be with them you'd only have one or two girls maybe would speak up but when we left them on their own they had the conversation mm. among themselves even the quieter girls you know so they all got involved and it was a, a, a panel it was a collective effort from the panel it wasn't just one or two players yeah. you know so it was that was something that, you know, we never had when we were playing. And obviously, mm. certainly when I was involved um, in 2002 and in 2011, we, we didn't have a leader. You know, you just gave out the jersey, told them they were playing there, whether they liked it or not, you know, and yeah. they just put up with it, you know. <laughs> but I suppose times have changed and um, players, both male and female, kind of do need an explanation or they're not shy about asking, well, why aren't mm. I playing or why are you playing me here? In our day, I suppose you're happy to get on the team and... Um, you were told that and even going back to 2011 if someone was picked you know you're on the team you'd be bloody grateful that you are you know but uh, yeah, I yeah. suppose um, I maybe people are more mature players are more mature now than we were when we were playing and they're not afraid to speak their mind which is a good thing yeah yeah definitely and and, and they want that information they want to know you know, what are you thinking? Why are you thinking of putting me here? And what's the job mm. that you have? You know, they want mm. the specific kind of feedback that'll help their mm. own performance, yeah. I suppose. As or well. why did you take me off? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. suppose you, you, you're, you're, you're covering it, I suppose, really. But that evolution, like from when you were playing yourself and, and the coaching, you know, that you would have had to, to your last experience, I suppose, with, with Kilkenny, it's, it's a fairly dramatic shift, really, isn't it? It is huge, absolutely. But, you know, when, when we were playing, it was a 12 aside and the pitch was shorter and it was it was actually more physical when we were playing. Right. Um, you know, you talk about maybe getting ball in hand and going on a solo. You could you wouldn't have a hope of doing it uh, then, you know, because it was brute force. I mean, some of the games were really, really physical. And, you know, our training session was you just arrived, you know, for training you were togged out. Um, there was no showering facilities. There was no toilets. We trained in Kieran's College. You did your running. You got into your car, and if you were lucky enough, if your father stopped at the chipper on the way home uh, to get your bag of chips, and that didn't happen only now and again, to be quite yeah. honest. Uh, um, but you know, when you that was in the seventies, when you go back to two thousand and sixteen, and how professional it is, and you know, how the girls look after themselves, even with their diet. I know Angela and myself would have used the gym. And when we were playing, of course, in the summers, there's no way you'd be allowed to go swimming and all that. Um, that But that came from home. That didn't come from the management. That was my father. You know, you can't yeah. go swimming. You have a game on, on such and such. But now the girls, you know, they just look after themselves so well, whether mm -hmm. they're in season, in season or not. You know, they're looking at their diet and they're doing the recovery and... Or going to the gym and you know i'm just 
I often said to Angela, you know, if we had to have all those facilities, mm. you know, maybe we'd have won more, but you can't be, <laughs> can't be too you're, greedy, you know. Yeah, you're being greedy, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny, you're, you're talking there about no showers and maybe a bag of chips. It just it reminded me of, of just last finishing out last season, really, with the whole COVID stuff and the... Mm. And the uh, I remember we went on a trip and we were we stopped in a in a club on the way to the county grounds and we ate out of out of plastic things in the boot mm. of your cart. It was like mm. you were a young fella going back to mm. to, to mm. games you used to go to with your your parents and stuff. Mm. Just funny, but mm. so we we were just glad to get playing as opposed to anything uh, else. I know, yeah, yeah. Even well, I suppose again that was a, a when you speak about food, you know, it was again 2016. It was stopping two hours beforehand, you know, because this was something that Noreen had brought into it, you know, make sure that you're after eating your matches at four, you have to have your last meal at two. So going to an All-Ireland or semi-final, you had to be in a hotel, you know, maybe at half past one so that they had mm. their food. So that was all, again, it's, you know, it was something that we never had, yeah. you know, and again, immediately 20 minutes after their training, which is the whole thing has, uh, has evolved yeah. so, so much. I mean, talked about being professional, they are professional. To be quite yeah. honest, just not getting the, I suppose, money for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing. Like the, the the thing you said there about even now, like there was always a period there of a few months where everybody used to kind of let themselves slide a little bit and and mm. then come back a couple of kg overweight mm. or a couple of stone overweight. Yeah. Now, now that stuff is generally it's gone. Like people gone. people finish it at in in one kind of shape and they mm. come back in generally a similar mm. enough kind of yeah. shape, really, don't they? Yeah, they do really. I suppose they're just thinking that. They want to be able to do the hard graft when they get back, you know, they don't want to be left behind, uh, um, you know, or maybe with the camogie and the hurling and the football season or for players now it's so short, it's not mm. the longevity that it used to be, mm. um, you know, that they could play for 20 years, I suppose, maybe hurlers, I don't know, maybe have their 10 years if they're, yeah. if they're, if they mind themselves, but, and I suppose that's all part of it now, you know, if you want to yeah. stay playing, you just have to, to look after yourself. Maximise, maximise mm. your time, I suppose, mm. yeah. Uh, I see there, I was just reading that when you took over Kilkenny, you, I think there was one other female manager at the time managing an inter, an inter-county Camogie team. Um, what, what's, what's that kind of number like now? Is there, is, has that number gone up or down? I would, I would say, I don't think there's any female in charge of a team really? now, to be quite honest. I could be wrong, but off the top of my head, there isn't anyone. I know that Tipperary did have last year, but um, Billy was back in 2020. Billy came back, but there was a lady that took over from him for one year. But I don't think, you know, any of the teams that come to mind now have all, um, uh, they have a male trainer, male mm. management over them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, have you any any explanation or any theory as to why there isn't more? I suppose, um, well, it's a time thing, really, mm. number one, and it's a confidence thing, the other. You know, mm. I mean, you just try, give it a go. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Mm. Um, but maybe, too, it is, you know, when you go into a team, whether it's a male or a female, that, you know, the Camogie team look up to a hurler or that has you know, maybe has done it all. Not yeah. to say that we hadn't or I hadn't at the time, but um, for me going in, it was the people really that I brought with me. Mm. Um, you know, they were great hurlers themselves. Uh, we all had the knowledge and we worked together. And I suppose a coach or a manager really is good, only as good as the, the panel of management that they, they have with them. 
Um, but certainly, I suppose the big thing is is the commitment because it's not just the nights that you go training. Mm. You know, the Monday, Wednesday, or the Friday, or the Sunday. It's, it's seven days a week, and it's looking at videos and. It's an awful lot of time, you know, to mm. see, have a look at the opposition or have a look at your own game. And, you know, that could eat into three or four uh, hours every night, yeah. uh, planning the session and um, trying to get pitches and uh, making sure that everyone is OK and working around the players. You know, so it's, it's, a, it's it is a huge commitment. Um and I don't, I suppose, really, I don't think the women have the, have the confidence, to be quite honest. You know, and I would say to anyone that is interested in getting involved, even start with an under 12, under 14, under 15, a minor team in your club. And if you feel that you have the confidence, you know, to, to go for it, you know, it's yes. the one thing that I would say, because you, if you don't do it, you could regret that you didn't try it. And if you mm. tried and it doesn't work, well, so go, so be it. You yeah. tried, it didn't work. Um, I can't do any more, you know, it tr- wasn't for me, you know, but yeah. certainly I'd love to see more players and more ex-former Camogie players get involved, yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and maybe just back to your own, your own kind of, your own improvement as a coach. Like, I'm conscious here, and that there'll be people listening to this from camogie football basketball rugby loads of loads of different sports and a lot of people that have contacted me have been moms or dads starting to help out with their own kids at you know under sixes eights tens who are getting involved in whatever sport it might be so i'm Mm. always trying to uh i'm always trying to find little bits and pieces for them as well that'll be able to kind of help them you know and give them a little head start but in terms of improvements that you would have made in your own kind of coaching and managing um, from the time you started to, to, to when you finished, not the not the exterior stuff about the nutrition or the professionalization, but your own your own kind of improvements, things that you went you started with, and you said, no, do you know what? If I had my time back now, I I, I would do it this way because this is a little bit better. Well, I suppose first I'd say to Mike that any panel that I was ever involved with, I was always honest with them. Mm. You might have a panel of of thirty players. You have to say to them. The 30 get the same opportunities from 1 to 30, whether it's the training, the coaching, the nutrition, whatever. But you can't guarantee game time for 30 players and they have to be able to accept that. Okay, that's the one because only 15 can play and only five can come on as a sub. So as long as their their expectations are not, well, I should be number one, when actually you're probably not going to be number one. Um, But certainly with with uh, again with the from where we started by the time I finished I suppose we were able to or I could see if we had a session if we were in the middle of a game that wasn't going well we stopped it not to leave the game go on um, we'd say look you're not get we're not getting anything out of that this this session you're not putting in the effort we're going to go back to doing a bit of running are we going to go back to do some skill work but you have to be able to maybe see that, you know, that this is not working. Um, and I suppose for young people starting off with younger players, they they have to be make sure that everyone is involved. Because if you have 40 kids that are trying to start off, they're obviously not going to be on the ball for the length of time that they're on the pitch and then they're getting bored. So it's breaking them up into small little mini games to keep every to keep everyone involved and try and keep the, the enjoyment in it. Um, but what your question was from the time we started until the time we finished 
again, was just to be able to tell the girls, you know, why they're not first to the ball or what they're doing wrong, that they're taking three or four goes to, to pick. They're not bending their back. They're not holding the hurl properly. Um, their feet aren't right. Just all those little things, you know, that was, I suppose, something that we just had, all of us, you know, when we started playing, all the, the girls that I played with, they were all great Camogie players. Um, not that the girls are not now, but um, you still have to work on your skills. You know, you still have to work on the basics. And for me, the basics are first to the ball and first touch. First touch, obviously, and be first to the ball, you know. Um, I think, I don't know if that answers your question now. Yeah, no, uh, like, I again, like you've honesty there and that stuff, feedback, you know, like, I think the feedback is is a huge one. And it's one, like you're, like you're saying, it's something now that players are really, really looking for. They, they want to, you know, I, I'm not sure, is it a social media driven thing with likes and favorites and all that? Or is it just people now want to know what what did you think of my performance and how do you think I can get better so that if if I can satisfy what you want me to do, then I, I've got a better chance of being on the team or staying on the team or coming on or whatever it is. And, and I think that's a great challenge for coaches then mm. because it challenges us to actually kind of have a proper appreciation of what we are looking for from players mm. like and again if if I'm talking about you know uh, you know under tens you know we're we're saying that we all we are looking for is really basic stuff and we're trying mm. to we're trying to encourage that they're having fun and enjoying themselves mm. and getting loads of touches of the ball and that they want to keep coming back mm. and as you go up the ladder obviously then you have to be more specific about about those kind of things that you're talking about really like. Uh, I, I was just when I was when I was doing a little bit of reading, and I see you you took over a a male hurling team in Kilkenny. Was that a couple of years ago? I got involved with with John Locke's John Powers team um, back in I think it was two thousand and four. Oh, was it okay? Yeah, and then last year I got involved with St Patrick's Ballyragget. My the parish team here. Oh yeah, yeah. I was yeah. last last year's one. I would yeah. have seen. I say yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And just I, I was only just. What were the kind of coaching differences that you noticed with the, with a male team or a female team? Were there any challenges or, or differences that you would really have jumped out at you? Um, n- not really, to be honest. I suppose um, two thousand and seven was the first time I got involved with the boys here in the village. We were minor, and. I wasn't long out of playing my camogie, I suppose, and they knew, obviously, mm. from living in the village who I was and what I had won, and there was great respect. Mm. Uh, 2011, we won the minor in 2007, and we won the the under-21 championship in, 2000 and, in 2011. So when I went back last year, again, we had more or less the same group of players, and it's the same principles. You know, you have to be able to hurl... You're, it's a club now. It's a club team because obviously you're not going to have the skill standard is not going to be the same as a county standard. And there's guys that are able to do one thing and they're not able to do something else. But again, it's working on their fitness and their uh, their first touch. And I suppose now we're looking at game management. This was a word that was never used when we were playing. Um, and game management, I suppose is something that you can tell the guys about, but when it's happening on the pitch, if they're not able to do it, you have a problem. And I I found, I did find that with the club, um, you know, where we could have, you know, we were, we we actually went from intermediate to junior. Um, We had 15 weeks with the guys because of the COVID. Uh, 
mm. and we were beaten in a relegation and I suppose with the time up I think we were hard to believe we were four or five pints up and ended up being beaten right. but it is all came down to game management you know not throwing the ball out the side or taking their time over free or not getting themselves set so I found that difficult to, uh, with the, with the club team and with the boys team to be quite honest you know because right. the lads would just play on and play on and play on and waiting on the final whistle you know whereas maybe the girls in the latter years that I was with them were more conscious so we had learned from our experience in 2017 when we put should have put the ball in the Hogan stand and instead of that Don and Cork won by a point we'd have got a draw out of it the same day um but with regard to the commitment from the lads and I suppose their attitude towards me was uh, first class. They couldn't have been more mannerly. And uh, I suppose the biggest challenge with any club is just to try and manage the guys as well because they're farming or COVID was a difficult year for everyone, you know, to try and get them to the pitch when you wanted them. No challenge games, you know, we were a new management team coming in, didn't. We had, I think we had two challenge games, which was, wasn't easy either, but um, but I suppose the big difference for me with the, the guys and the girls was just to to get them to understand that game management thing and why you wanted to do it or why you needed someone to go down with an injury when the opposition were on, <laughs> or on top, you know, and understand, yeah. you know, but um, but certainly with with regard to the coaching and the skill level, it is exactly the same. Yeah. You know, it's the camogie is every bit as skillful as the, as the hurling and if mm-hmm. and you know I've said this before if you look at the four All-Irelands that were played in December the ladies football the camogie the hurling the football for my mind the camogie All-Ireland was the best All-Ireland this year right. you know it wasn't a runaway it was a great game it was mm-hmm. a great spectacle great skill um, and when you look at I suppose the hurling All-Ireland it was nearly a foregone Gone conclusion before it was it was played. Yeah. Liam Carr won't like me saying that, um, but <laughs> I suppose on the day, uh, Limerick were a great team. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and we needn't talk about the hurl or the football. No, 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 not for now. The that that game management is interesting though, and 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 it, it comes from the experiences that you that you talk about, really, isn't it? Like you, mm. you if you get burned one year, you you that'll stay with you. If you're in a similar mm. position mm. the next year, you're hoping that that obviously takes yeah. over and has an impact really you know but yeah um i read um jackie hurley's book you know jackie uh she she brought out a book uh, yeah. girls play too I have, a, mm. I have a small daughter who's eight and I'm, I'm doing everything in my power to to try and encourage her to play any sport really i don't mm. care what kind mm. of sport it is now mm. she's a very active child she's constantly doing stuff gymnastics yeah. and all this but uh just trying to get her to play anything you know camogie, mm. basketball mm. um and that idea of of seeing people, you know, playing, seeing girls playing football for Kerry or playing for their club or mm. playing basketball for somebody, mm. uh, and I, I, I just it got me when I when I saw that that there wasn't really female managers in there um, at Camogie or in any other sport. It's, it's, it's that kind of an idea that if you can't see somebody there doing it, it's, it's harder for, for the next generation to kind of say, you know what, that, that's a pretty cool thing to do. I, I'd like to see myself doing that at, at club level or mm. county level or whatever. So it, it's kind of an interesting one that there isn't a whole pile of, of, um, of female managers out there at the moment. Mm. Well, I suppose for anyone that's getting involved in um, 
under 10s or under whatever, you know, what drives me cracked is when I see even the chaps below on the hurling pitch here under 12s and they're asking them to lap a pitch. You know, it's all about, it's all about the skill, you know, and they, the kids enjoy having the game. They learn how to run eventually, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. their fitness will come with that game. You know, I know sometimes you have them like a hen with a hot potato, they're all around the ball and that, but when you have little mini games, that, mm-hmm. that does help. Um, so for anyone starting off, it's really get the basics right, get their, holding their hurl right or kicking the ball right or, get their first touch right, all those skills first, and forget about the running. Um, and as you said, it's important that they have role models. Mm. It really is. And I, I suppose you have them in Kerry with your, with, your, um, with your footballers, and we have them in Kilkenny with our Camogie players and our hurlers. Uh, and that is so important. But in Kerry too, there's also some great Camogie players. Mm-hmm you know but you have to have a role model you have yeah regardless of what sport and as you said i mean when we started off here in the village our sport from our house was running you know we were with Mm. the city harriers and it was a case of the whole family getting into the car and we went off running wherever it happened and when the camogie started it was the whole family going to the camogie matches as well um but i suppose too what i'd say is the parents you know encourage rather than expect Mm. You know, don't expect your child to go to the Olympics or play in Croke Park. Mm. You know, just encourage them and it'll happen. If it's meant to be, it'll ha- it will happen. But encourage them to stay at the sport because you get so much out of it from meeting people. And yeah. it's also a barrier for them, you know, in later life, you know, whether they're 16, 17, that they can meet their friends. And again, going back to the mental health thing, you know, they can have a chat with them and they're happy to meet and maybe talk to them and um, when they mightn't speak to someone at home. So it's just so important to keep them involved and not to put too much pressure on them. You know, just enjoy it, make it enjoyable, make yeah. them look forward to going to, to the session. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, we, we mentioned, I mentioned it last week. There's very few people that are playing the game at under six or under eight level that are going to be inter-county or that are going to be international athletes or they're going mm. to represent their country. That's, that's still a small percentage mm. of people. Mm. The vast majority of people playing the game are people that we want to just having a, a lifelong uh, involvement in sport mm. and physical activity, mm. basically. And if, and if coaches at a young age group can instill that kind of love of the game and love of sport and physical activity, mm. then, then they're obviously doing a, doing a brilliant job with whatever yeah. they're doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and look, brilliant. I I, uh, I want to thank you sincerely for your time. I, I appreciate it. Um, for for I would have said it in the introduction already, but for the people that are listening, um, this is obviously a, a fundraiser for Temple Street Children's Hospital as well. And I, I want to say thank you to all the people that have donated so far and that continue to share it around. Um, if you haven't, then you'll find the link to Temple Street in the podcast podcast description or on my Twitter page at Mike Quirk. Uh, and every donation goes directly to them and um, and obviously they're most appreciated by everybody so and thanks a million again for your time really really appreciate it more than welcome Mike